Welcome to the Philly Adcast, informing and engaging the advertising community. Powered by Center City Film and Video and the Philly Ad Club. Here's your host, Bjorn Henriquez. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Philly Adcast. Here powered by Center City Film and Video. This month's guest is Rick Harris, President and General Manager of NBC10 and Telemundo 62, Philadelphia. How are you doing today, Rick? Doing great. How are you, Bjorn? I'm fantastic. I've been waiting to, to have this conversation for some time. Same here. Ah, oh, great, great, great to hear. So I want to jump right into it. So this this came out, this came together pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I was at the PABJ event uh, in the New Tower, and I and I got a chance to hear you speak, and something really resonated with me. Um, uh, where you said, uh, uh, don't just come to work, come to win. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we have to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to dig into that leadership yeah. mindset. I, yeah. I, I really I really love that, and that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, uh, so first and, first and foremost, how, how are the new digs at, uh, at the tower? Uh, we love the, the new tower. Yeah. The, the digs are great. And, <laughs> you know, when I think about it on a couple of different levels, so there's the aesthetic piece of it. And you were there and you saw it. Um, you know, it, it's it's a, a technological marvel. It's exactly. an aesthetic marvel. Uh, and it is light years a, uh, ahead of where we were in Balakinwood. Uh, Balakinwood served us very well for, I think, over 65 years. Um, but it was time for a move. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to move into the headquarters of the Comcast Technology Center. So it's been really good. And then you have the other things. Like you have the trappings of being in Center City. Like right. I could walk here to do the uh, the podcast right. as opposed to, say, taking a car or whatever from Balakinwood. Uh, there are lots of shopping options. There are restaurants. I mean, there are just so many positives that I can think of. And then on top of all of that, and probably most critically, is... Uh, the functional nature of the Comcast Technology Center. So now, having our two television stations there and websites and social media, we are directly connected to Comcast and all of the in- innovation and technology that goes on there. So no, we're, we're trying to figure out how we do things differently than any other television station, not only in the market, but in America. Uh, because we have all of the resources from a technology standpoint there at CTC. So we're going to figure out, you know, how we can um, uh, become a better value for uh, consumers and residents of the Delaware Valley. Right, right. Yep. Very impressive, you know, when I uh, when I got a chance to look at it. And uh, and I started to think the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, with the with the screens and and the engagement with the viewers, you know, mm-hmm. that that should be fantastic. So I'll uh, get back to what we started with was uh, don't just come to work, come to win. Where, where <laughs> yeah. did that philosophy come from? Yeah. Um, so, it, so I came up with it, but I have to tell you I was really disappointed when I Googled it because I thought I was <laughs> on to something completely original. And I Googled it, and I found out that it has existed in the world gotcha. prior to me. Uh, but I'm still going to figure out how to, you know, use that as a book title or oh, something yeah. like that. But, you have to. <laughs> but the whole thought was um, it's about being purposeful. So, you know, it, it, as a leader, and we have leaders within the organization, as a leader, you want to make sure that people are perfe- purposeful about why they are coming to work and who they're serving and what it is that we're serving. So, 
Now, I can't tell you exactly how the words all came together, but I do remember thinking before, you know, coming up with the, the title itself, Come to Win, I thought of the antithesis of that, you know, what you don't do. So don't just show up on time. Right. Don't just complete your assignment. Um, don't don't just provide perfunctory service. Do something that is over the top. Um, and do something that recognizes that we are in a constant state of competition. And frankly, that's something that I really, really love. So, you know, all, all as, as early as I can remember, I've always competed in some type of sport or in academics or whatever. But if you take it to, say, a basketball level where I played basketball, there was always a scoreboard. And uh, we always competed, even 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 if it was summer on the blacktop. Right. We all kept score, right? Oh, exactly. There didn't need to be a, a scoreboard. Right. So my whole, per- my whole thought is if you're going to be in the game, then, you know, be in that game to win it. So that's where come to win came from. Don't just show up. Don't just do the assign- assignment. Don't just do the, you know, the typical ordinary thing. Figure out how you can do more. And when you do more, the customer remembers you. They are more appreciative. Frankly, I think that uh, there's more self-fulfillment. Um, there is a degree of challenging yourself and, and, you know, challenging yourself to the point that there is self-discovery. What can I do? What are the limits of what I can do? And what you find a lot of times is that you're only limited by your imagination. Right. You're only limited by your work ethic. You're only limited by what you think you can do. So if you can train your mind to tear away those limitations, the truth is if you come to win, you can do anything. Right. You just have to strip away all the, the, the limitations that the world has told you. Oh, no, 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 beyond. You can't do that. Mm. Yeah, you can. Right. Who, who says you can't? You know who says you can't? Some other man or woman told you you can't. Right. What does your mind tell you? So, yeah, that's just, it's a, uh, it's an approach that we have adopted at NBC10 and Telemundo 62, and we try to push that as much as possible. I thought of the sports analogy immediately when mm-hmm. I heard it just as a competitor and and translating that in terms of a leadership role in an organization i was thinking of it as are you going to do are you going to just check the boxes that you're here to check right or are you going to come here and compete for the for the championship and right. what is that win to you so it made Absolutely. me think of what what's my personal win for the day mm-hmm. you and know? you know the other part of it so there is a very selfish side that says oh well we want to win and we want to be number 1 who do you want to be number one against? Who's number two or three? Well, you know, that's the the other TV stations in the market and all of that. That's fine to benchmark yourself against other TV stations and other video providers and all. But the truth is the better you are, the more value you're giving to the customer. The more value you give to the customer, the more likely they are to watch you or to click on your website or to engage or whatever that metric is. And when they do it more often then that'll translate into time spent. So they'll do it for a longer period of time. And then at some point they'll tell their friends and their family and so on and so forth. So you're building your business. So by bringing your best and coming to win, you actually make for a much better, um, you know, uh, life and product uh, for yourself and for the people that you serve. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Um, uh, Great phrase. I, 
I copyrighted it and registered it already. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. That's mine. <laughs> so uh, uh, piggybacking on that, who or, or what has been the biggest impact on your, your leadership style of philosophy? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good one. So, uh, you know, I, I'll start with mom. Yeah, my mm-hmm. my mother was a um, or it. What I say was as she's still alive. Great, but um, professionally she was a um, a grocery store uh, general manager. Oh, okay. You know she ran a, a big enterprises um, uh, with many people and multi million dollar um, you know companies, um, and she told me very early on. She she taught me a few different things and. You know, one of the things she taught me, she said that you have to inspect what you expect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, even in our business, people feel like they have arrived once they, you know, achieve a certain level. You are manager, you're director, you're VP, whatever. And I've, I've just never really felt that way that I've ever arrived because we're all involved in this process of lifelong learning. So my mom told me to inspect what you expect. That meant get up out of your seat, walk around, talk to people, ask questions, and listen, and then figure out how you can help provide some type of solution, whether it's helping people get over an obstacle or removing the obstacle or whatever it might be, but also always making sure that they own it. Because you don't want to do the work for people. Right. Then you you know deprive them of the blessing of doing the work and learning. So yeah, when I, when I think about people who inspire me, definitely my mom. You know, a lot of hard workers in my family. A lot, I mean, I can go chapter and verse <laughs> on people who work hard and succeed. Um, another person is John Lansing. So John Lansing was my general manager in Cleveland at WEWS, uh, an ABC affiliate television station. And I just learned so much from him. Uh, one of the things that that I, that I learned, well, there's a lot. I call them Lansing-isms. I mean, he, he always had a saying. And I, I, it, even as I'm thinking about it, I think about different things that he, he told me. But I remember, um, you know, as we get into like a diversity and, and inclusion conversation. So John, at that time, I don't know, maybe he was in his 50s, maybe. General manager of the television station, Caucasian, uh, but very in tuned with uh, D&I. And I remember once he brought together all of the department heads and managers in, in a room, and it uh, must have been around uh, Black History Month. And we were having a conversation about tolerance. And uh, he, he pointed to <clears throat> someone in the room, let's say her name was Joanne. And he said, Joanne, how would you feel if I told you that, you know what, today, Joanne, I'm going to tolerate you. <laughs> and that we all had the same reaction. The first reaction was, oh, my God. And mm-hmm. the second reaction was a laugh. But think about the terms that we right. use and what they mean. Right. Joanne, I'm going to tolerate you, as opposed to the right term being, I'm going to celebrate you. Mm-hmm. Celebrate you and everything that you bring to this organization and the value that you bring to us in enabling us to connect better with all all different facets of the community. But that was an eye-opener. I was like, wow. You know, uh, tolerate versus celebrate. I thought that was really big. And another lesson that he taught me, me, and again, I thought he was crazy when he said this. (laughs) I forget what the context was, but it was around some kind of decision-making. And he told me, Rick, you know what? When I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I'm right. 
And I was like, when hmm. you're wrong, you're right. <laughs> but his point was, a couple of points. Number one, I make decisions. Right. So you don't want right. to waffle. You know, you, exactly. you don't want uncertainty back and forth. And his ultimate point was, even when I'm wrong, I'm right, because I'm smart enough and in tuned enough to course correct. Don't stay mm. on that same course. If right. you're wrong, correct and get right. Right. right? So, yeah, I just, you know, so from my mom to John and, you know, there's another guy, John Lansing, or excuse me, uh, Tom Humpage that I worked with, you know, who, you know, laid all kinds of pearls of wisdom on me. I just had some really good ones. And, you know, sports coaches and right. professional coaches. So those I think really the overall important. point is I listen. Yeah, and That's it's really point. important to have those. You know, um, sometimes you get placed in a position where you start off as just an AE and, mm-hmm. and someone expects you just to soak up everything. Yeah. But to to have those people, just like great teachers, we remember those key managers or leaders oh, yeah. along the way that really changed your perception mm-hmm. or even opened up your mind to what you could do. Right. You know? No, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, speaking of TV, <laughs> the, the, the idea of TV is, is, is being redefined. Uh, we, we talked about technology mm-hmm. in the beginning. Uh, you have a, a background um, – on the digital side of things, and we see that uh, TV and the TV now has digital capabilities more so than ever, and we're leaning towards uh, uh, that more than ever. Uh, what are some of your keys to leading an organization in a constantly changing environment? Mm-hmm. So the the one thing that I focus on and I try to get to our, our uh, team to focus on is Though we are in a constantly changing environment, there is one key denominator, and that's the audience. Right. It's the audience right. and it's storytelling. So what we have really are more paths to the customer. But at the end of the day, it's still the customer, and we're still having a conversation with that customer. So, you know, very rarely, uh, if at any time, will you hear anyone within our organization, you know, talk about the TV station you know, we are a, a local media company right, that right. engages with an audience uh, via a number of different platforms and channels. And I remember once, I don't know why I looked this up, but you know how every once in a while there's some word and you go to Webster's and you want to look it up or whatever. And either I looked it up or someone told me we were looking at a channel. You just look up the word channel. And somewhere in that definition, it says a path to a destination. That's what a channel is. It's a path to a destination. And I think in terms of us, you know, if you if if we are I still hear people in the market say channel 10. Oh, yeah. You know, you're with channel 10. The channel, meaning the TV signal, the channel, whether you're getting it over the air or, um, uh, you know, uh, via uh, cable Mm -hmm. or any other uh, OTT platform. The channel is just a path to who we're trying to communicate to. So the way I look at it now, there are there are television paths for us. We have NBC10, we have Telemundo 62, we have Teleexodos, and we have Cozy. Those are our quote-unquote TV channels or right. stations. But we have dot-coms for each one of those. We have social media pages for all of those. Right. We even have social media pages for Storm Ranger, and Storm Ranger is our mobile radar mm-hmm. unit, and we treat it as if it is a you know a, um, a person, right. right? So you know, as we talk about the evolving nature of media, 
I just, I always go back to the fact that we are serving a customer. Now we just have more ways to serve and right. to tell stories and probably most importantly to engage. So forever, this has been linear. You know, we talk, right. you listen, right. right? And now over the last, what, 10, 15, 20 years, it has become much more binary where we talk and then we listen to you and we talk and we listen to you and you have the ability to comment and rate and share exactly. and, and do all of these things. And like you and I are doing right now, we have the ability to be the broadcasters ourselves, right? right? Yeah. So the whole thing has changed and we have to be very cognizant of the fact that um, it's all about the customer, it's all about the audience. Couldn't agree with you more. And the audience just has now a lot of the way they consume media Mm -hmm. is totally in their hands, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, whether Mm -hmm. it's time shifted viewing, DVRing, Mm -hmm. anything. But I view that as a as a good change, as a Mm -hmm. great change. Um, So with that, there becomes a, a issue in measurement. And yeah. measuring and, and capturing that audience, where before <clears throat> Nielsen kind of lumped everyone in here, and it was one way of measuring this "quote unquote" TV audience. Mm-hmm. Now it's so fragmented. How do you feel about being able to accurately show your your mm-hmm. reach and how you're engaging with the so, audience? So, um, I'll touch on the how do I feel or do okay. the feel part. So, um, just like I talked about, come to win. There is um, another mantra that we have and it's all about dealing with what we refer to as VUCA. You ever hear of VUCA? No. So VUCA is an acronym. Okay. The V is for volatility, the U is uncertainty, the C is complexity, and the A is ambiguity. So it it requires that we are able to deal with all four of those elements without really being thrown off of our game, being able to deal with those things that are volatile up and down and sideways, those things that are uncertain and kind of squishy, you really don't know, you know, those things that are really hard and complex with many layers. And then, you know, those layers have uh, consequences once you take an action and then there's, you know, something afterwards. And the ambiguity part, and it's interesting because what our people want and what a lot of people want on a team is clarity. They just want clarity. Right. They just want something simple. They just want to grab this and go or feel good and comfortable and confident in whatever this is. Right. So we as leaders have to be able to handle all of the, the VUCA. So that gets me back to how I feel. I'm okay with it because I know that there's VUCA. There's VUCA wrapped into this evolution and it's wrapped into the measurement. I mean, think about it. When you talk about ambiguity and uncertainty and complexity, you know, Nielsen is Nielsen, Comscore is Comscore and all these other measurements and everything. Exactly. (laughs) And none of it. And then you throw in set top box information and everything else. It's all over the map. So we do our absolute best to aggregate as much of that information as possible. And you can talk about it from a quantitative standpoint. So, you know, there's just doing math. And then there's another side that's all about um, the qualitative and the audience itself. So we can talk about ethnicity and we can talk about education right. and income and all this. So quality of audience. So it just becomes a, a never-ending conversation about who it is that we're trying to help, um, you know, a marketer reach. And we use all of those different tools in order to uh, to tell the story. So, 
Is it hard? Yeah. Is it complex? You know, is it uh, frustrating sometimes? Absolutely. But I, I still haven't seen the answer that rolls it all up and you get one number. So what are you right. going to do? Right. You know, I, I heard someone say, and it may have been actually in the uh, the meeting we were in, the uh, PABJ, mm-hmm. and, and this is one that I remember. Someone said, you know what? You can become bitter or you can come better. become better. Right. Bitter or better. So you're going to become bitter about the fact that all the numbers don't roll up into one neat little number that you can go to market with? Eh. Or you can get better and figure out how to use all of those tools and right. tell an effective story. Right. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Speaking of the the PABJ event, I see you at at community events regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's uh, PABJ, I think we met at uh, the Urban Affairs Coalition had in a had a, some type of reception uh, uh, some time ago, mm-hmm. and I, and I met you there, the Tribune. So, uh, how important is it to you to maintain that connection with the community? I think it's very un- important. <clears throat> Part of it. Um, you know, being relatively new to the market, I'm here three and a half years now. It'll be four years in May. So a lot of it was just getting to know the market right. and getting to know the people. That was uh, a really big part of it. But then there's another part where you just have to demonstrate and show that you care. So, you know, even as I hear myself say those words, show that you care, you have to care. Forget about showing. showing right. You have to care. And if you care, you'll be at these events. And... I can tell you without failure, you know, there are times where you look at the calendar and go, oh, my gosh, how am I going to make it here and there and right. here and there? And I always walk out with some little nugget or mini nuggets that, that reinforce, yep, you made the right decision by going to this event. So I've never, I, I don't want to say never, but <laughs> I, I can't think of a time when I've gone to any of these community events and walked out and go, wow, why did I ever do that? Right. Man, I, I always find some type of value. I, I really like it. Uh, That's great. Um, In looking at your calendar and seeing all of those uh, events and you have three children of your own, Mm -hmm. you're married. So how do you strike that work-life balance that we're all trying to figure out? Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hard one. Um, So the one thing I can tell you is that I'm blessed to have a wife that I have known for I always have to do the math. I think we've known each other for about 30 wow, I think it's about 35 years. Wow. Something like yeah, about 35 years. We dated for a number of years and then we got married. So so my point is she knows me. Right. And she knows that I have worked in this industry my entire life. And she knows how crazy this industry is. So <laughs> a lot of VUCA. Yeah, a lot of VUCA. <laughs> so she, you know, over time got on board with it. And that's another part that's interesting. So come to win and VUCA and all of those things, they require that you not approach life and these jobs with a nine to five mentality. Right. Absolutely. I'll, I'll say that again. Not approaching with a nine to five mentality. So it's interesting because you know, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. And Philly feels very much like Cleveland. Uh, there's a, a really, you know, um, significant core uh, population that is blue collar, hardworking, right. the whole deal. And I just grew up with those those uh, uh, characteristics or that type of DNA. But I, I remember <clears throat> learning relatively early on that our jobs are not nine to five. 
you know, and you can't come in with that mentality. Sometimes you got to come in really, really early. Exactly. Sometimes you have to work really late and then there are dinners and engagements afterwards. And then you have to work on the weekends and, yeah. and then God help us all social media, <laughs> you know, all these devices we carry around, the email doesn't stop, exactly. you know, the yeah. social media doesn't stop. So at some point, all of us have to make some uh, mental pivot to understand that it is not punching a clock. You know, to some extent, you become, um, you know, that which you do. Mm -hmm. But I think your most, I think the healthiest version of that is when you love what you do. So you're not right. becoming that. It's just kind of what who you, you do and yeah. who you, you know, who you are. So, yeah, I, the work-life balance, I don't know. I think I have pretty good balance, but it's only because, you know, I know what we do. My family knows what I do. Right. I try to include them as much as possible. Um, and, yeah, it just kind of works. But, yeah, work-life balance is, is, is a personal thing. you got to figure <laughs> it out. You have. So here's the one thing I will tell you. Okay. You know, and I, I've heard people say this, that you can't be good for others if you're not being good to yourself, if right. you don't take care of yourself. So if that means, you know, a weekend getaway – or if that means exercise and working out, if that means eating a certain way, if that means just, you know, little burst of, you know, social activity where you go out with some friends or whatever, you need those things. Right. When you get to the point where you're depriving yourself of all the things that make you who you are, I think that's when it, it starts to tread into that area of being bad for you. Right, not, and out of balance. Absolutely. you got to find those things that Learn, work for you. Learn that the hard way. You end up burnt out after... And you realize, when's the last time I've, uh, right. you know, definitely. Right, right. So yep. uh, last two things. Uh, one is I, I teach a advertising sales class at Temple. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, been, it's been great and fulfilling for me because it allows me to look at not only codify my system, but to, to look at, uh, uh, to think five and ten years ahead for, for my students. Uh, what advice would you give to um, those students or anyone starting out in programming or sales mm -hmm. uh, in our industry? Um, I think I don't, so. I won't do these in rank order because there there are certain things. There are a number of different things, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think one that's really really important is just the ability to write effectively, mm -hmm. to write effectively, right. to be succinct. Um, and as you talk about sales and marketing, to understand what you're solving for. So is your audience looking for a certain thing? Like, you know, so again, back to advertising, if it is an automobile, are they in the market for an automobile? Then how do you write to that need or desire? Right. Uh, or if it has something to do with healthcare or whatever. So I, writing is so key. Uh, and to be able to think and write clearly and concisely, I think is really big. The other piece is, I'll call it the math. So, you know, the math has changed over time. It used to be as simple as ratings and shares and right. huts and putts and things like that. And now there are a number of different measures. So understanding what all of those metrics are and how they work, I, I think you need to have that. But I share with our guys all the time that, I believe that there is math and the, the numbers work a certain way. And then there's magic. There's math and there's magic. 
And there are a lot of times, and I know my sales guys look at me and go, man, you must be crazy. <laughs> because when I add these numbers up, it doesn't add up to the budget, right? <laughs> but the, I, I really believe that, you know, those who are very talented and gifted and, you know, um, uh, very focused on accomplish they, accomplishment, they figure out the magic piece. Because the numbers will say, nope, can't do that. Right. Anybody can do that. Anybody can add up the numbers. The, the folks who have the magic are the ones who advance through an organization. So you know how to do the math. So think clearly and communicate clearly. Right. Understand the math and then understand the magic. And the magic a lot of times is tapping into people, understanding what they want, and being able to, you're talking advertising and sales, being able to uh, persuade motivate, influence, you know, all of those things in order to, it's interesting, in order to quote unquote sell a product or service, but really in order to help that person. Right. Right. It's not selling, it's helping. So figuring out the, the right solution for that person. And the truth is sometimes your solution is not the best solution. And that's where you, you have the difference of, Hey, you know what? I'm going to grab this off the shelf. Here's my off the shelf solution just for you. (laughs) Or you stop and you do, as some people say, the CNA, the customer needs analysis and have a conversation with the client and understand what they want and with them build a solution. Right. So when you're there and you're building solutions and you have ideas and maybe there are some things that are custom that just don't exist off of your shelf, then you build some media around it to support it in order to give it awareness so that right. you can see it on TV, you can see it on websites, you can see it in social media, all that. But it really starts with an idea, an idea that is specifically focused uh, on what that customer told you that he or she needs that i think the, those are probably the, the three most important oh, thanks for sharing that and yep. lastly uh you're given you're given a, a a lot to think about and uh and some really really good um gems uh any book recommendations yeah so i got to give a shout out to my son uh nick harris so he turned me on to this book it's called can't hurt me Oh. And it is oh, written by David, David Goggins. Goggins. Oh, my yes. God. I yes. couldn't put it down. <laughs> and I actually listened to it. It was an audio book. Yeah, I got the audio. Yep. And uh, so I would listen to it on the treadmill, and it just gave me so much motivation. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as I talked about earlier, uh, Goggins is all about um, uh, self-discovery and overcoming what appear to be insurmountable uh, challenges. Yes. And it's not just one. It's challenge after challenge after challenge. I mean, he had a really rough life. And then to compound it, because he's wired the way he is, he sought challenges. Right. You know, so, you know, uh, going through the process of becoming a Navy SEAL and a Ranger and running 100 miles in 24 hours, you know, those ultra runs and everything, just amazing. But it always reminds me that, like I said earlier, the human mind, when you can unlock, you know, the, uh, the human mind and, you know, I'm still in the process. I haven't figured it all out, but what I do know is that I'm bigger, (laughs) excuse me, I'm bigger and better than the challenges that are in my head. You know, I, I I saw uh, a caption the other day on social media and it said something like doubt has killed, doubt has killed more dreams than failure has. 
Mm-hmm. Doubt has killed more ge- dreams than failure because you start off in a position where you don't believe you can do it. Exactly. So guess what? You can't do it. Or you, you give you, a little effort. It's not absolutely, a, yeah. absolutely. So Goggins, oh man, that that can't hurt me is definitely one. So it wouldn't be complete if I didn't. And it's funny if if any of our employees ever listen to this because I've, I've quoted this one too. Um, my my favorite movie, and I can watch it over and over and over, is The Matrix. And I always tell people it's not the second one and the third one where they got into all the technical stuff and everything. It's the very first one. And one of the there are a number of key themes that run through that movie. But one of those themes, the most prominent is believing. You ever see the movie? Of course. Right. So, you know, um, um, Neo. Mm -hmm. uh, Begins to have his most success when he believes forever he's skeptical right you know morpheus says you're the one you're the one he's like no man i really hate to disappoint you i'm I'm not the one he's trying to convince morpheus i'm not the one even the oracle told me i'm not the one one. yeah but you remember towards the end of the movie they're in the the ship whatever that the ship was and morpheus is there with trinity and a couple of others and Mm -hmm. they're looking through the screen and they can look into the matrix and they see Neo in one of the agents. And the agent, you know, is for those of you who haven't seen the movie, <laughs> the agent kills everyone. everybody. Yeah. No, no shot. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're like, I think Trinity says, why isn't he running? He had an opportunity right. to turn and run. And there's a shot of the staircase where he could run away. And then, and he looks at it and then he turns and faces the agent. And Morpheus says, He's beginning to believe. Right. And that is the line in the story, beginning to believe. So when we can unlock all of this, all of these uh, preconceived notions that we can't do certain things, man, the sky is the limit. But you really have to break through on so many different levels. But that's a long-winded way of telling which (laughs) which book I like. So you got a book and a movie. And a movie, two for one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? And and also with, with The Matrix, it's... He couldn't even see what was next for him mm-hmm. because he didn't believe. Right. He couldn't. You know, he couldn't even see it. And, yeah. Um, no, that, that's powerful. That's yeah. Powerful. I think that's the great way to, to end this conversation. <laughs> good, good. Thank you so much for for spending time Thanks with us and me. and sharing your wisdom. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, indeed. This episode was recorded at Center City Film and Video and produced by Kirsten Brinkos. On behalf of the Adcast team, I'm Lisa Leonard. Thanks for listening. 